Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So pleased to see you return once again to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. And today we have got a, a curious little thing. I like to keep this in one of my many boxes here in the shop. It's a medallion that might be worn by the subject of our latest episode here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. It is a medallion that might be worn by a witcher. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at season two of Netflix, The Witcher. The Witcher Netflix series took the streaming world by storm back in 2019 when it debuted just before Christmas, December 20th of 2019. And I, for one, was one who knew of The Witcher, uh, more so through the video games. I've never, uh, in full disclosure, in full transparency, I've never read the books and I've never played the video games. But at that time, you couldn't be online and not see some sort of advertisement for the Witcher games that were coming out. And it all seemed very interesting. Uh, it was just one where I'm I, I'm not much of a gamer. Uh, I play a couple online games, but uh, but not much of a gamer. But uh, but it all did seem very interesting because I am a fan of the kind of medieval fantasy that uh, the Lord of the Rings and things of uh, that nature. Dragonlance and Dungeons and Dragons uh, affords. So I, I was interested in it, but I didn't know much about it outside of what I've seen in knowing about uh, the video game series. And then, of course, once the Netflix series came out, I looked into the video games a little more. I looked into the book series in which uh, the video games act as a bit of a sequel to and really found that this, uh, this was going to be an interesting series that I was probably going to love. And uh, the series came out starring Henry Cavill as the titular witcher, Geralt of Rivia. You have Yennefer of Vingeberg, played by Anya Shalatra, and Freya Allen as Ciri the princess of Sintra. And these are really the three main characters of this series. And season one uh, was just fantastic. Uh, I really dug the sword play, uh, Henry Cavill, and some of the, the scenes, uh, the, especially the one sword fight with the character Renfri was just out of this world. And it was uh, really interesting in the, the style of sword play that they used for this first season. The storytelling vehicle that they used for the first season was also quite Quite interesting because the first season is very much based off of short stories from the Witcher series. The Witcher series came out in book form and then in the United States we got the the main series and then we got a couple books of short stories that were prequely in nature. Uh, you know, in the in the book series proper, you kind of get dropped into the Witcher universe where Geralt of Rivia, the Witcher, Yennefer, Ciri are already established characters and you really don't get a lot of the backstory of Yennefer. Uh, you don't get a lot of the the backstory of Siri and how she got to this point. And with these books of short stories, you got that backstory. And they used that as the basis for season one, uh, The Last Wish 
and Sword of Destiny book short stories made up a lot of these scenes and instances where we see uh, the Witcher going and coming to and fro uh, in the first season. And they do it in a way where you're really watching essentially three separate timelines. You're seeing the Siri story play out in what is a, what is really the now. That's the present timeline. You see the Yennefer and Geralt of Rivia timelines play out congruent to the series story, but those are all in the past until they all kind of converge at one point at the very end of the first season. If you haven't seen this, it's not all going to make sense to you. If you have seen this, you know what I'm talking about. Of course, if you haven't seen uh, The Witcher Season 1, it probably would behoove you to watch that before you listen to me talk about The Witcher Season 2. But uh, The Witcher Season 1 was was done so interestingly. Like I said, the court fight choreography was awesome. Uh, the characters were interesting. We got a lot of that backstory and that setup for these uh, amazing characters. And the way they played with timelines to interweave these different timelines that all meet at this big conjunction that really is kind of a, a center point of this whole world that uh, The Witcher takes place in. But you see them all kind of... Uh, collide at the very end sort of we're left off with season one no one knows where Yennefer is is she alive or dead Geralt and Ciri finally meet up as Geralt's child of, of surprise child of destiny whatever you want to call it and that's really where we pick up in season two Geralt and Ciri are on the battlefield at Sodden and they're looking for Yennefer uh, nobody knows where Yennefer is uh, everyone assumes she's dead but it doesn't take very long and she is a main character to realize that Yennefer is is perfectly fine although she has lost her magic there's another really good story in the first episode that takes place in because the season two is really the first book in the witcher book series proper blood of elves that's kind of the story we're seeing here uh, we get a little bit of uh the beginning of book number two, Time of Contempt, towards the end. But uh, but this is basically the Book of Elves story. But there is uh, another short story that we see in the first episode called A Grain of Truth, where Geralt runs across this Nivellen character, played by the incomparable Christopher Hivew. Of course, you may know him if you watch Game of Thrones as Tormund Giants Bane, but he was one of the characters, uh, more so the actors, the cameos that I was really looking forward to scene because uh, Christopher Hivew, I love seeing him show up and stuff because he's just got such a very charismatic personality, a very expressive face, and he just seems like a fun guy. <laughs> and, and his characters really exude that spirit that he has. Uh, so I was really looking forward to this character. Uh, much to my surprise, the character is mostly a CG character. It's a very Beauty of the Beast type of story where he's been transformed into this beast-like character. And we finally do get to see his true form towards the end of it. I like in the story how uh, the story is called A Grain of Truth. And in the short story, it, it plays out fairly similar to how it does on the show. Although Siri, I don't believe, is a part of this story in the in the short story but it's about uh, this nibbling character and this other character kind of a vampiric character Verena and their relationship and their love and at the very end much like in the in the show uh, Verena dies the nibbling character is a little more active in her death in the short story but in the in the book and the short story Geralt 
lands the final blow and she essentially uh, telepathically tells Nivellen that uh, she loves him and it changes him back into his human form. And then Geralt kind of talks about how in the stories you always hear about, uh, you know, true love's kiss transforming people and breaking curses. And he says, maybe there is a grain of truth to that. And that comes the title of the story and the title of this episode, this first episode in The Witcher Season 2. So it was really cool to see, like I said, Christopher Hibbew make a cameo in this. I was really hoping he was going to be maybe not a main character, but at least a character we were going to see throughout the season. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to show up in in other seasons but you really only get him in this story now i'm not going to break down each episode we're going to talk about some of the main plot points some of the main characters Uh, this really turns into more of a game of thrones type story where the first one was a lot of individual, not really one-off stories, but they were based off of short stories that they kind of wove together to make this this complete narrative for the first season. Whereas this is uh, more of a linear story and it really is a setup for more things to come in this Witcher universe. You're not going to get the intercutting of timelines, which was a very interesting storytelling technique. Uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, directors and a lot of shows and movies use this. Some do it to great effect. I mean, let's be honest. Quentin Tarantino has made a a movie living on playing with timelines. But then again, there are some uh, you know TV shows and streaming shows and movies that that play with timeline and it just doesn't work. But this uh, first season of The Witcher actually worked. But they they didn't go to the well again with that, which I'm kind of glad. And I think that's what a lot of people you know there's there's a lot lot of people out there that are poo-pooing season two saying it's boring i don't agree with that one you don't i mean certainly playing with timeline adds a bit of mystery and the reveal is certainly exciting but like i said you don't want to go to the well one too many times with that this is more of linear storytelling and this is very much a character developing season this is a setup for the rest of the series you know the witcher series proper uh book series that is is eight books long so if they play this out to the entirety of this book series we're going to have at least eight seasons of this and this really is the first book in the series and it is very much uh, a lot of setup for things to come and they do set up a lot of things I, I know a lot of people were upset that the relationship between Geralt Yennefer and Ciri wasn't what it was in the books well, in the books, there's already a relationship. There's already kind of that adoptive mother and father relationship between Geralt, Yennefer, and Ciri. But you got to set that up somehow. And and this really was the setup. You had to pay it off. You had to make it mean something. And we get Yennefer's storyline where she's lost her magic. And she's dealing with this Voleth Mir, which is kind of a, a Baba Yaga, witch in the woods type character that is trying to sap pain from her and this other character, Francesca, and the Fringilla characters. She's trying to do anything to get her her magic back, her chaos back. And when she's posed with the idea of getting Ciri and bringing Ciri to the this Voleth mirror, she doesn't know Ciri. She doesn't know her from, from Adam. Of course she's going to, but then she finally meets Ciri, realizes what she is, the power that she has, and 
does the right thing because Yennefer ultimately is a good character and a good person. And that helped to set up a rift between her and Geralt that will ultimately form. You didn't want them just, when they finally do all meet towards the end of the season, you didn't want them to just let bygones be bygones and we're going to be in love again. Uh, you know, you got to you got to earn emotion. And and I thought it was all done in a, in a great way to, to earn the emotion of these characters being united and earn the emotion of these characters becoming this kind of de facto family unit. If you just jump right into it, there's no stakes. There's no cost. There's no investment. You know there's, you know, fans of the books, fans of the video games know that they are this this family. But for anybody who doesn't know, anybody who doesn't read the books or watch the video games, it doesn't make sense to just have them come together and they're this family and we're going to go off adventuring and tra-la-la-la. Uh, you got to have some, you got to earn it. In some way. And and I think they did in this series. And they're, they're in the process of earning it. You know, they realize that uh, they both need to, Yennefer and Geralt, both need to protect Ciri. And you can see the, the start of them becoming this kind of family unit. And we talked about uh, Yennefer's storyline, but uh, one of the most interesting things, and this really was, you know, the show's called The Witcher, but this really could have been called Ciri because this whole season was mainly about Ciri, uh, mainly about her becoming or, or realizing what she is and for the world at large to realize what she is. We find out that she has elder blood in her and that is the cause for the powers she possesses and put on display on a couple of occasions during season one. The Witcher takes her to Care More and the Witcher compound and she decides she wants to start training as a Witcher. Those scenes are all very interesting. We get to meet some of the other Witchers and find out that witchers haven't been able to make the elixir to turn people into witchers for quite some time and their numbers are dwindling and by the end of it they're they're even more dwindling because uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute because there's a big uh, finale that takes place at Kaer Morin. but it was really cool to see uh, Ciri going through some of the training that uh, a witcher goes through and seeing Geralt teaching her how to use a sword you know she ultimately becomes kind of this badass character I, I if i'm not mistaken she becomes a witcher as well ultimately but it's cool to see the beginnings of that how that all kind of started this season also really became became very game of thronesy in the sense that there was a lot of political intrigue with this season a lot of political intrigue with the Tissaia and the Vilgefort characters. Fringilla working with Nilfgaard and trying to get the elves to come to the aid of Nilfgaard. The Francisca character that is the leader of the elves. Not to mention all the rulers and the Stregoborg and, and all these characters that are all vying for power of some kind. Nilfgaard wants to uh, defeat the North and the North wants to defeat Nilfgaard. You've got the Brotherhood. You've got the female mages, all, all you know, trying to to jostle and jockey for position, and and ultimately, all of these different factions are looking towards 
Siri and the power that she possesses as a child of chaos and as a being that that has this elder blood, this this elf blood, this ancient line of elves. Uh, she has the blood running through them, which means she has great power. And this whole season was ultimately setting up one that she has this power, that she has this elder blood, and all the different factions that are vying to possess her and that power. The only one that is not trying to possess her is Geralt, the Witcher, and then ultimately towards the end, Yennefer. And they both decide that they need to protect her. And that all really comes to pass at this huge battle at the end. Of course, the uh, Volethmir character, this witch, this witch in the woods that was manipulating uh, Frangilla, Francesca, and Yennefer, she ultimately gets the pain she needs and is freed and she seeks out Siri and possesses her to one end we really didn't know but it ultimately has to deal with we we talked about this earlier the conjunction uh there's this great conjunction that happened ages ago that brought monsters into this universe and it's all very complicated. You got to watch it to really kind of get it, get what they're talking about. But she ultimately wants to get back to her universe, where she came from. And Siri is the way she can do that. Uh, Siri's powers allow her to pull monsters uh, from these other universes via these uh, giant monoliths. It, like I said, all very complicated stuff. Probably doesn't make any sense, even if you did watch season two, uh, to sit here and listen to me talking about it. But to watch it, it, it'll make a lot more sense. But she ultimately wants that power that Siri has so she can get back to where she came. And we do see Siri, Yennefer, and Geralt uh, go to this other plane of existence and find the what is called the wild hunt the red riders it's almost like the four horsemen of the apocalypse only there's like six of them but uh, we get to see them and find out that they are ultimately the big bad of this series and we're only getting a little taste of them uh, they were referenced in a few episodes and then finally get to see them at the end of the season and realize like i said this is all set up for seasons to come in this Witcher series. But it's all very interesting. And like I said, it's interesting to see where this is all going to play out because really this season, a lot of people bitching and moaning, griping, complaining, oh, this is too long, it's too boring, character development sucks because I want to see sword fights and I want to see monsters and and all that's good and fun. I, I, I like that stuff too, but this is a bigger story than just one season. So if you're whining and crying and peeing all over yourself with with the disappointment that oh it's not what i wanted uh, just hold on be patient character development is very important for a long series john snow wasn't king of the north after episode two of season one in game of thrones you had to let the story play out now granted that's a horrible horrible analogy because uh, the way that's that story ended but that's for another episode altogether. But really, like I said, if you're sitting there complaining about season two, how it well, didn't meet your expectations, just calm down. I think this is really going to be the setup for much more story to come. Because like I said, uh, we're really just now finding out what and who Siri is, the power she possesses. We've got all the chess pieces in place of factions trying to obtain her power. And the Witcher... And Yennefer 
are set as her lone protectors. And this has really set the table for, I think, more interesting stories. Like I said, this is based off the first actual novel in the series. So this, of course, was, it's the second season, but this was going to be more of a setup season than even season one was. Season one introduced us to all these characters. We got the backstory. We got to fall in love with these characters and, and this interesting world. But this was really the, the story to set up the rest of the series. And and I, I for one, think it's going to be quite interesting. Now, did you have a lot of cool monsters? Yeah, you had a few cool monsters. I, th- I thought the uh, the vampire one in the Grain of Truth episode, the first episode, was really cool. The basilisks were... Uh, <laughs> they had some of the, you know, gruesomest deaths. Eating guys faces off and that sort of thing was was really interesting and and really disgusting uh it was a different take on the basilisk i always have seen them with like multiple uh six six or eight legs something like that more like a dinosaur thing i mean they were these were dinosaur but not the way i've seen them but this is a different realm than dungeons and dragons so uh but those were some cool monsters It, it didn't have the sword play that I really loved. Uh, they did some really innovative things with the sword play in season one. You really didn't get that in, as much with this season. But like I said, this is an eight-book series. And God willing, we're going to see the rest of these books play out on the screen with this Netflix series. So there, there's plenty more seasons with more sword play to come. I, I'm quite certain of that. And it introduced us to a lot of interesting characters. You know, the elves played more of a main focus in this season. You've got the relationship of Frangilla and Kahir working with the Nilfgaard nation. Triss Marigold, more of a, more of a, a character in this, although they really didn't delve into the love triangle between Geralt, Yennefer, and Triss, but they definitely alluded to it. Yeah, Skier's back, and uh, he, always great to see what song he's got. The uh, first one was Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. This one was the, what was it, Burn Butcher Burn, or, or something to that effect. Uh, it was a little bitter that Geralt cast him away in season one, but uh, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, a lot of fun characters. We even got some characters that we don't know where these characters are going. You got Vesemir, the the kind of the leader of the Witchers, the the one that's been around the most, Geralt's mentor. Interesting to see what they're going to do with him and and the Witchers now that they know that Elder Blood can create the uh, serum, the elixir that they can create more Witchers. You've got Graham McTavish, a spectacular actor, just has such a, a very distinct look about him playing Sigmund Dijkstra. He's part of this whole like political subplot where there's a lot of political machinations going on, people behind the scenes, a lot of backstabbing and that sort of thing. And he plays that character so well. And then we get the Rents and Lydia characters. Of course, Rents is a kind of a rogue mage and plays with fire magic, which is kind of a no-no. That's why Yennefer lost her powers after she used fire magic to decimate the Nilfgaard army at the end of season one. But he and Lydia uh, are after Ciri, and they've got this kind of secret benefactor. Is it going to be Vilgefort? I don't know. I'm not quite sure who this is going to be. If you've read the books, I'm probably, you're probably, duh, it's so-and-so, but I did not read the books yet. Uh, maybe one day. But then you've got this big reveal at the end, which, spoiler, I'm going to say right off the bat, there's a huge spoiler if you haven't watched season two. I've tried not to be too terribly spoilery, but 
We've heard of this emperor of Nilfgaard, Amir, uh, also called the White Flame. We've only heard of him. Uh, we've never actually seen him. Well, he makes an appearance at the end. And you only see him from the back as he's dealing with Frangilla and Cahir. We find out that he killed Francesca's baby, the first pure elf born in, in this world for quite some time. He's a horrible person. And we find out that he is, in fact, Dooney, who we saw in season one in some flashbacks with Geralt. He is Ciri's father and Dooney is actually Amir the Emperor of Nilfgaard, and another one of the big bads, the antagonist of, of this series, which was kind of a shock. Uh, a lot of people were like, oh, I saw that coming a mile away. Well, maybe if you read the books, yeah, you saw it coming. If you didn't read the books, you're a, you're a liar because there was no reason to think that was coming. I mean, you saw a little visual clues in some of the scenes. Siri has this kind of dream scene where everybody is dead, and everyone kind of wisps away Thanos snapping his finger style. Uh, everyone except for her father, Dooney. Which, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. I just figured, you know, at this point in the scene, he hasn't started turning to dust. There were little visual cues, but nothing that really gave it away. So anybody that says that they saw this coming and you didn't read the books, I would question your truthfulness. But that really was the big twist at the end of it. And then we kind of get a mid credit scene where they're setting up a spinoff series called The Witcher Blood Origin, which is going to be a prequel. This is all going to be, you know, the conjunction we talked about. This is all going to take place before that happens, where we've got the elves, the elders. When we're talking about elder blood, these these first elves that were inhabiting this this land, this world, until humans came along and then essentially subjugated them and killed them off and, and started mixing bloodlines with them. And so it's going to be really interesting to see this world taking place before the events that we know it. It's going to be interesting to see the elves and what this world was like before uh, before witchers, before monsters made their way to this, this world. And it looks like we may see all of those things happening. The influx of humans into this elvish world. We're going to see the conjunction. We're going to see probably the first witchers being created. Monsters coming into these worlds. So it's, it's going to be really interesting, I think. And I, I think it's going to be a fun way to expand the witcher universe without rehashing the same style of stories. It's not going to be like Walking Dead where all you're getting is just another uh, group of people fighting zombies just in a different location. This is going to be, I think, quite a different story and quite a different set of circumstances that, like I said, you can expand this universe. And I think it'll be quite interesting. So I'm really excited about uh, the Witcher Blood origin. But stars uh, Sophia Brown, Lawrence O'Farrain, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, she looks like it's going to be a really cool cast and uh, very interesting. I don't believe they've set a release date, but hopefully we'll see this maybe coming out sometime in the first half of this year. But really loved this season of The Witcher, in spite of what some of the other critics 
and what some of the, actually I heard critics really loved this season. They hate critics hated the first season and the fans loved the first season. Whereas this is the opposite. Critics are raving about this season and fans are not so happy, but I got to imagine it's probably more the casual fans that didn't like this because like I said, this wasn't full of monsters and sword fights and stuff like that. This was full of political intrigue. This was really more of a character development season. Um, really, like I said, this is the season. This is the jumping point for the rest of the story. First season was all introducing you to the characters. Second season was introducing you to the circumstances for which the rest of the story is going to play out. And I think season three is where business is going to pick up. You're going to have Geralt, you're going to have Yennefer defending Ciri as everybody's looking for her, looking to take control of her and her power. Uh, I think season three is really where it's going to be the show everyone wants it to be. And, and also, I have to imagine there's probably a lot of people who are fans of the books that while these stories are fairly accurate to the books, for the most part, they may get to certain plot points in a different way. It's all fairly comparable and but you know you get some i'm for certain stories i'm a bit of a purist i want the book on the page i'm that way with stephen king i understand you have to make some tweaks for for tv and for movies and whatnot but i want the story uh, but i think this is more true to the the actual stories that were written than some Stephen King adaptations. So, I, you know, it's, it's not going to be exactly what was on the written page, uh, but they get to the same place that was on the written page, maybe taking some turns and twists that, that weren't on the written page. But I, I, for one, having not read the books, having not played the video games, uh, have enjoyed The Witcher thus far, and, and really excited for things to come with this with this franchise, because I think you've got like one uh, great actors, Henry Cavill. Say what you want about him. I'll say what you want about him playing Superman. I've really enjoyed Henry Cavill in this role because uh, he, he's such a, an actor that I forget that's Henry Cavill in that role. I mean, I look at his chin and his jawline, I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely Henry Cavill. But unless you're really focusing on that, uh, you really forget that that's Henry Cavill, and you really believe he's Geralt of Rivia. Anya Shalatra plays Yennefer of Engerberg, just uh, masterfully. She's such a a great actress, and you know she really was. Uh, she won awards for it as the breakout star of of season one, and much deserving. I think uh, she she's going to get a lot more work in years to come because of this character and uh, really enjoy her. Freya Allen, again, another young breakout actress. Uh, you know, she was so much younger. Uh, well, not so, she looked so much younger in season one than she does now, but she's starting to mature into a young woman and uh, a, a fine young actress. And to see her growing from as an actress from, from season one to season two was just uh, fantastic. And this really, this season really was a lot on her shoulders. 
and she carried it well. And I'm excited to see her grow continually as an actress and this character to grow into the character that we know it's going to be. For anyone who knows of the stories or read the stories, uh, for those that know uh, the video game or know of the video game, you know that what this character turns into. And it's going to be really exciting to see her portray this character and become what we know this character to be. And I'm really excited about the stories because I think they've done a really good job of adapting these stories. There again, like I said, I haven't read the stories, but I know of uh, the stories and, and some of the beats and, and plot points and, and where certain things are going. And, and I think they've stayed relatively true to the source material. I think the, the stories are going in the same direction. Like I said, they may get there in a roundabout way, but I think they've all... All the major plot points, they get to all those places. May not be how you expect it, but it's nice to have some surprises. Uh, some little surprises when it comes to adapting a book to a TV series or a movie. So I, I'm really excited about the, the acting, the writing. This is a fantastic story. This is a fantastic vehicle for these stories. I think Netflix has done a really good job of letting them create the visual effects uh, have been getting better. They got better from season one to season two, and I expect them to get better and, and more uh, lifelike and, and realistic to come. I remember seeing the monster that Geralt fought like at the beginning of season one. I was like, oh, that's that's some pretty rough looking CG. But uh, I didn't have any complaints about the CG in season two, and I'm expecting them to, you know, as this this franchise takes off, of course, you had the Nightmare of the Wolf animated uh, special. Uh, now you've got the Witcher Blood Origin. You're getting, uh, you know, Netflix is really putting the money and the time into this. You know, when you go to Netflix or the Witcher on Netflix, you have that little place where you can click on the, the Witcher Wolf uh, medallion and it can take you to the world of the Witcher and all these different things that they've got. I think Netflix understands that they've got something very special here and that they're putting the time and the effort into doing it right. And hopefully they continue that. But uh, really excited for things to come. There's no specific release date, but I can't wait to see Witcher Blood Origin. I have to imagine we're going to see Season 3 of The Witcher probably in 2023, maybe late 2022. Uh, I hope we don't have to wait to 2023. Hopefully they, they do this and uh, don't do like Stranger Things and release a season every five years, uh, which is getting a bit ridiculous, but excited to see more things to come and what they do to expand this Witcher universe on Netflix. And not only, like I said, do they have great actors, great special effects, they really touch on some social issues. I mean, there's themes here. There are stories and, and morals to these stories. And I know this one a lot really, for me, felt like it played a lot into politics and using uh, minorities and ethnic groups as uh, political pawns being pulled this way and that way by different political parties. Uh, if you like a little bit of metaphor in your medieval fantasy series, there's plenty to unpack there, which, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, you know, when it's in your face and heavy handed, it can be a bit annoying, but when it's, it's done subtly and it's done within the context of the story that they are telling and here's here's this great story we're telling and we're focusing on the story and we're focusing on the characters but here's a little 
moral nugget for you to chew on. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think fantasy and horror and science fiction are great ways to to do that sort of thing with a deft hand. And uh, I, I enjoyed that as well. So there you have it. That's my thoughts on The Witcher Season 2. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, uh, it wasn't Season 1, but it wasn't supposed to be Season 1. And I didn't want it to be Season 1. I wanted Season 2 to be its own thing. And I wanted Season 2 to be the next step into what we're going to see. And I think it really was. Like I said, Season 1 set up the characters. Season 2 set up the stakes and the stories. And Season 3, I think, is really where business is going to pick up. So really excited to see that and what the Witcher franchise and universe holds for the future on Netflix. So thanks for listening. Check out our Facebook fan page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Of course, uh, we've got lots going on in 2022. It's a brand new year. And uh, excited about some of the things we've got coming up. Coming up on the next episode, we're going to go over the Wheel of Time, another kind of medieval fantasy story, uh, very much influenced by Lord of the Rings. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about how that went. Was it good? Was it, you know, more of the same? You know, we just got The Witcher. Uh, How's this stand up? It doesn't compare, but how's it stand up to The Witcher and... Are we going to see more? What do we have in the future for the Wheel of Time series uh, on Amazon Prime? So I'm really excited to talk about that coming up on the next episode. And you can check all that out. Check out our Facebook fan page for trailers from the latest movies and TV shows that are coming out. Always posting uh, different articles that I find all over the internet that have to do with uh, some of our favorite genres. Horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. And a whole lot more. So check it out online. Uh, Oz Bodkin's Curiosity Shop Facebook fan page. I want to thank everyone for checking us out. Thanks for listening. And please, uh, you know, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave us a review. Five stars would be awesome. But whatever review you give us, uh, definitely appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!